You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. You know, this, uh, this sermon series is one of my favorite. Have you ever heard the saying, you get to inspect what you expect? And so this is a time as a church where we are inspecting what we expect of ourselves. Are we still doing what we were called to do? Are we still here for the same purpose? And so as we've gone through this uh, sermon series here, we're in week three. So the very first week, Aaron got to talk about share. And it's the thing that we walk past on our wall every Sunday and share. And we exist to share Christ uh, with the world. Our vision is to reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. And so when we talk about sharing, he talked a little bit about evangelism and and different types of evangelists. And some of us are lifestyle evangelists. We don't have people walking up to us saying like, I'm curious about Jesus and I think you could probably tell me. People are watching and they're observing how you function, how your family functions in community. What does that look like in your life? And they're attracted to something that is blessed and something that has their hand upon it because you're trying to walk the walk. And then we talked about other types of evangelists where you do have those people where they would look down and be like, hey, Chris, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You're going to hell if you don't, right? And you're like, you know, I've been thinking about that. I'm glad you asked, Josh, in such a calm and non-threatening way. (laughs) Hey, sometimes it works, sometimes it leaves dead bodies around, but all of us have our own uh, gifting and, and we are called. Nobody in here is, is omitted from sharing what God has done in your life. Amen? Amen. It's worth telling about. And so the next week, uh, Charlie got to come up here last week and he talked about uh, connection. Share, connect. We exist to connect people to the, the Lord and, and to Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior and connect them to others. And why do we care so much about connecting to others? Because we have to. We have to because we are called, because the God's word tells us it is not good for man to be alone. We do dumb things when we're by ourselves. We don't have accountability. We don't have correction. We need other people even when they make us mad, even when they step on our toes. And so we are called to be in connection, and you've heard us uh, pound on the home group button all for the last several weeks because we know that you need to be in a home group. We know that you need to be in a place where you can have connection and actually have a, a, a biblical foundation where you're as excited to talk about what God is doing in your life as you are about how many yards the cougars had. Where you have questions about text and, and different things that you can share and chase those things together to be in connection. And is that connection, are all of our home groups perfect? Just mine. No. God, my guy's laughing at me. Um, no. But we're going to take the risk and we're going to spend time together and do life together. Not just on a Sunday. Sunday's awesome. You know, when I got into ministry, I never wanted to get in uh, to an obligation. I fell in love with the church. I was doing okay in my career, but God did something with my heart when I had been ministered to that I was like, I have to do that. And I was doing that right where I was in my career as well. 
and then got an opportunity to be in ministry. But I didn't want to have a religion or, a, 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 or something that was just a checkbox on a Sunday. Yeah, real life, look at our big building. Woo! Aren't we great? We've arrived. I will not be a part of a church where we think we've arrived. We have not, because there's still lost people out there. Right? There's still people that aren't connected. And they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear not just about Jesus, but they need to hear about how Jesus has impacted your life. Your life. That will change their lives. And so, uh, you know, I think about getting us down to the basics and where, what are we doing? So we talk about minister. What does that mean? And so I'm a definitions guy. I was like, what is minister? Let's look at, let's look at the first slide for minister. So minister as a noun. Oh, wow. It's got multiple meanings here. So minister as a noun is a person authorized to conduct religious worship, member of the clergy or a pastor, a person authorized to administer sacraments as at a mass. So I am authorized by the elders of this church to marry and bury. Right? Uh, the different things, that's, it's part of my job requirements or those things that I can do, but they, are, they have authorized me to do that as a minister, right? And so not everybody is a paid minister uh, at a church. And again, when I, a while back, I had uh, preached a sermon in Montana on uh, religion, and I never wanted to begin a part of just a religion. It's a fine line between a religion and a cult, Right? Part of the root word of religion means to return to bondage. How many of you guys are you excited to return to bondage? No. <laughs> no, we're not excited for that. We're excited to be a part of something that's growing, that's breathing, that's living, that's changing lives. And so let's look at minister uh, as a verb. To give service. To give service. Care or aid. Attend as to the wants or necessities. So as a minister, as a verb, we are called to attend to each other. And when I think about ministering, we talk about how are we ministering. I think about groups of people that we minister to. So think about this. So you, do you minister to your family? Do you attend to them? Do you serve them? Do you care for them? To their wants and to their necessities? Sure, it feels pretty natural to want to take care of your family, right? And then what about the next circle, your friends? I have lots of them on Facebook. Many of you are my friends. We are deep friends on Facebook. A couple thousand at least of us, right? Just tight, right? But you minister to your friends where there's, yeah, I, I care for that person and I'm going to minister to them. So I was at Thad's house and he's like, Josh, I need some very, very, very dumb labor. I was like, well, let's I'm qualified. All right, we're going to move this refrigerator into its place after you take the hinges off a half an hour later. Took a long time. There's lots of screws there, right? We're going to do... No, I ministered to Thad, who is a friend of mine, right? So he can move into his house and do different things and took time away from family and all those things, just as he did for me when he ministered to me as a friend and redid the roof of my house. And then there's this next circle of ministry. People that will never even maybe know that you minister to them. People that can never pay you back. People outside of the church world. And those needs that you see, where you take care of somebody. You talk about the pay it forward, forward movement where you drive up to a coffee place and somebody paid for your coffee and then they pay for the next coffee and the next one. You know, People love to, to be ministered to. They love to be cared for. And so we see that being modeled in the text. 
where Jesus, and, and a lot of times I, I miss it. I miss it because I'm wowed by the miracle instead of wowed by the fact that he's teaching his disciples how to minister, right? And we see our slides on the wall again. Minister, to equip and release. We're ministering to people in the church. We need to minister to each other, right? And we minister to people in the world. How's that going for you? Sometimes I can't even minister outside of my own self. So clouded. Sometimes I poorly minister to my family. I haven't got to the world yet. I can't even get out of my own way. And getting my life aligned where I could possibly hear and see the needs of other people. And to be a part of a church that's like that. One of the things that moved me when I first came to this church is we had this thing called Serve Fest. And I was uh, in a Syringa trailer park over there, and, and there was this doctor there. And he, he does okay. And he was there with his son, and they were up to their knees in dirty insulation and appliances and broken hot tubs and who knows what else, loading it into dumpsters. I was like, that guy goes to our church. That's the kind of people that go to this church. I'm in. I'm pretty excited that we would be a church that ministers. And so Jesus models this for us. John 6 says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. He sat down with his disciples. You sit down with your disciples? Do you have disciples? Yeah. You sit down with them, teach them, show them, walk with them. There was a Jewish uh, Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, how does the writer know that? This is just a side note. How does he know that he already knew what he was going to do? Okay, he was there. You're right. And Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages uh, to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So you work for six months so we can all have the little communion bread in here. That's a lot. That's Man, this is a big project. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's uh, brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five, wink, wink, small barley loaves and two small fish. That's interesting. I guess numbers probably matter. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place as they sat down. Thank goodness there's about 5,000 of them, right? Jesus then took the loaves and he, give, he give, gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted and he did the same with the fish. When they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of uh, the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So I initially am wowed by the miracle. How did he do that? The Western mind was like, well, math, let's see, that's a lot of people and food and things. But he stepped back. He was with his disciples, and he saw this moment where he saw a need. 
right? So a question I would ask is, are you seeing the needs of the people around you? Are you looking for them? What are the needs? So he saw the need. And then he equipped his, his folks to go and serve and minister. He didn't just say, man, you guys look hungry. Peace. You should be well fed somewhere else and be warm somewhere else and go do something somewhere else. No, he, he took action. And he modeled that for us. I remember my uh, kids, as little kids, we, were, we would drive around and we were professing Christians at the time and uh, had a beautiful green minivan. So beautiful. Um, and uh, my kids would be like, well, there's a person on the side of the street saying like they want food. I need help, hungry. And I'm from California. I know slicksters. And I, my trust level was pretty low. Not that all people from California, but I was like, this is this guy. And half of the time, so my, my wife was smart about this. She would buy those boxes of granola bars from Costco and you keep them right there and there. So the kids are like, hey, dad. And you're like, all right. Hey, come on over, buddy. Got you right here. Here's a granola bar. And half the time they'd be like, thanks. You know, but didn't matter. Because being a minister doesn't matter what they do with the food or the money or whatever you give. What matters is that your children and people observe and watch you ministering because that's what Jesus would do. He would minister. And so as you think about what does minister look like in your life, do you see the needs? And when you see the need and when you fill it and it doesn't work out the right way, that's okay. Your job was to see the need and fill it. And so... They think about the, the, how the disciple, or how Jesus would organize groups of people to take care of needs. He would, he would uh, take care of, of have distribution of things and have his guys do that. And in John 4, it says, uh, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Ooh, we got the numbers. Jesus is a big deal. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptizing, who baptized them, but his disciples so when you think about ministering as a verb, you all are able to baptize. When we have baptisms this coming Thursday, you'll see that when people are up here, it's not the paid player that's doing all the baptizing. You can baptize. We don't even have to have it on video and it still counts. You could baptize somebody in, in your own hot tub and it still matters because you are a minister. You have the power. It's not some special, special power. Jesus is, has anointed you. He has a plan for your life. Share Christ with the dying world. Connect them to God and to, to others and do life with them. And then minister to them. See what their needs are. Know them well enough to know what their needs are. On our wall, this is the text that's on our wall. We have James 2. says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Hey, good luck. Hope you're going to make it. Lord, love, Jesus loves you, but I don't have enough time. That's not a church that we want to be known for. You know that the church's name is, was originally Real Life 
ministries. And now that we know that there's ministers that are nouns, and there's a minister that's a, that's a, a, a verb, you signed up to be a minister here. You are anointed, anointed, anointed ministers, all of you, to minister into your communities, to minister to your families well, to minister to your friends well, and to minister to those that will never, ever, ever be able to repay you. Because within ministry, hearts are changing. And when a heart changes, it softens. And when it softens, it's more susceptible to accepting Jesus. I just heard a story right after the first service. This gal came out and she said, I got to tell you the story. She goes, I have a friend. I invited her to, to church. I invited her different things. And she kind of checked it out, but didn't really check it out. And then she has tenants that live in an apartment above her, kind of a grandma place above her. And her fence was falling down. And they went and they just fixed her fence. She was sitting in her house and they were like, a whole crew of people came over with wood and all those things. And they fixed her fence. And then she got back to this other person is like, you real life people, like, you really do stuff. I'm going to check your church out because you do what you say you're going to do. And isn't that what the world's looking for? Someone that's going to follow up and do what they say they're, they're going to do. And that's exactly what happened when you think about the early church. You know, the ministers, uh, the, the apostles, they saw this. They saw that there was need. So here we have uh, Acts Six, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen and all these other guys, in the instance of time, I told all these other guys to oversee that. That's where we get kind of the thought process of deacons and elders uh, or deacons to do that. So it's not that I'm not ministering because I have to model ministering as a verb in my own family and outside of that and in front of you guys. So I'm not exempt from that because I'm the minister who gets to preach once in a while. I got to model that, but we're all supposed to do it. And it pleases God when we do it. Amen. Amen. You want to be part of a church that's known for having a mall and a building, or you want to be part of a church that's known for changing a community. Cause it's not about our stuff. None of this, this isn't going to be here in a hundred years. Probably be gone but hearts and souls and minds and people's lives that are changed because you took time out of your life to have your antenna up to notice that there was a need and you chose to take the time, energy, and effort to fill it because you are a minister. You are ministering to others. So as we go into our communion time, if we can have our communion folks go and get the, uh, the communion, that'd be great. We have an open table here. Um, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want you to participate. And uh, if not, you can just let it go by, but, but uh, let's hold it and take it all together. We must have been short on juice. Look at that. Man. It's all right. It's all right. It's my third one, so hopefully. Um, so as we think about this wrapping up and share, connect, minister next week, we'll talk about disciple. Uh, let's look at the implications. Number one, 
learning how to minister is more caught than taught. You can teach your kids how to minister by, you can Google Jesus ministered and you're going to get all of these things where Jesus, and you can talk to him about the stories and we should talk to him about the stories. You know what else you can do? You can take your children and people around you and with you when you go and minister. Don't go alone. You show them and model them what it looks like. My kids have moved lots of people. They've, they've served in lots of different places, but they're seen and, and hopefully been shown what it looks like to minister and look out for the needs of others. So more is caught than taught. Number two, the more you're ministered uh, the more you're ministered to, the more you want to minister to others. How many people in here, don't raise your hand, but I'll just ask this question, might have a little bit of a problem with being ministered to? I don't know. I do it myself. I don't ask for help. I don't want to owe anybody nothing. I'll do it. I don't need you. But you're the first one to jump in and serve someone else. I would challenge you on that heart issue of not allowing yourself to be ministered to. Because think about the joy that you feel when you get to serve someone where you know they wouldn't have made it to that project, that deadline, whatever it is. They just, it, would have, it would have just about killed them to do it. But you came alongside them. How does that make you feel to know that you're able to minister to others? Why would you take that opportunity away from somebody else? So for me, I know that's been a challenge sometimes. Can, can you ask people, you know what? I'm going to set my pride away. I'm going to set all that stuff away. I need help and get help. Or maybe you don't need a ton of help, but it'd just be more fun to do it, with, do it together. Doing life together. And one of the most impactful ministry times I ever had, um, I, my wife and I moved to Missoula, Montana, and we bought a house and the basement needed to be finished. And my care group from Post Falls, Idaho, four months after I had left, said, hey, we want to come over and help you finish your, your, your basement. So eight guys from my care group and, and friends drove over on a Friday, and they spent all of Friday night, all of Saturday, all of Sunday, hundreds of hours of skilled labor serving and ministering to me and my family, helping finish the basement of a house. And I remember when they left. I, my wife wasn't home yet. Uh, she, I think she had went and been loved on by our care group back in Post Falls. And I remember when they left, I sat on the floor of my house and I just cried. I was so overwhelmed that people would care enough about me and my family to give up an entire weekend of their life and just serve and love on me. How about you guys? Is that the kind of church we are? Are we, are we uh, inspecting correctly what we expect to be a church that, yes, and, and we want to learn in here. You know this Brad Gray thing is going to be off the chain. Do not miss that. The guy who's coming here, he is a disciple. He's who Aaron went to Turkey with to learn from. He's a Ray Vanderland disciple. You should come and, and we should be here. And you guess what you could do? You could invite others to be here. We should be here to learn about the text and come out fired up about the text because we have more knowledge of the text. And then we should go apply it out in our community. Apply where we live. God provides opportunities all around us to minister and to serve to others. Do we recognize them? And it's an opportunity. It's not a burden. 
It's an opportunity to dive in, to show off God. And what are we as a church uh, ministers going to do with those opportunities? We get to choose. We get to choose. And I hope we choose to, to, to show off our God in an amazing, mighty way. So on the night he was betrayed, uh, he held up that bread. And he was ministering to all of us then, wasn't he? Sacrificing. And he said, take this and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. Father, we just thank you for this time as we inspect who we are as a church. Help us to continue to share who you are. And when people get excited about you, Lord, help us to connect them so that we can all stay excited together to chase you, to chase your word, to chase your knowledge that you have, to chase the ways we could serve you, uh, chase the ways we could serve each other and minister to our community and see what you see when you see the widow, the alien, and the orphan, and you see people here that have hurting hearts that need to be ministered to, Lord, open up those opportunities for us. Lord, help us to learn and grow what it looks like to be real ministers that would chase you and minister the way that you've ministered to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com. 